Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Recover Your Soul. My name is Rachel Harrison, and this is a podcast that I've started that discusses recovery, spirituality, positive psychology, and just life. I started a website called recoveryoursoul.net as a place and a space where we could all share our experience, strength, and hope together with the desire of finding serenity and peace and happiness. Today I want to begin talking about the 12 steps of recovery and before I really dive into those I wanted to talk a little about what that has done for me and my journey in working the steps. So I know for me that I am two and a half years uh, sober from alcohol, from drinking, but it's been a much larger life journey for me in my working with my desire to control the discomfort that I felt in my life um, around my social situation, my family, my family of origin. And alcohol really became a place that I could find some solace in that um, as a way to, to not feel my feelings. But when I really think about it, the overwhelming nature of our mind is really where it all started. And I know that it can be incredibly overwhelming to try to navigate through your feelings. And we're in a society in a world right now where we're constantly told that we need to be better, that we're not enough. One of the things that I think about when I've been in the rooms of recovery or in classes at my spiritual center that is a reoccurring theme is this theme of unworthiness. That we're not enough somehow. That being just who we are isn't enough. That we're not acceptable just the way that we are. And we so we find these masks to wear. We put on glasses that view the world in a different way. It's nature. That's human. It's absolutely human what we do to try to prevent ourselves from discomfort. 
And it's only through the spiritual journey that we're willing to remove those lenses and those masks and look at ourselves in the world in a different way and find hope, find relief from the suffering. I was raised Buddhist and the foundation of Buddhism is that life is suffering and that suffering comes from a wanting. It comes from the desire to have or be more. And through prayer and meditation, the releasing of our ego mind and releasing that constant desire to be or do something else other than just who we are can bring us to serenity and to peace. I've been so grateful recently for mindful meditation. And as I listen to some of these guided meditations and remind myself that that pecking, thinking mind that we all have is absolutely okay. And there doesn't have to be a judgment or a negative feeling about where our mind is going to just witness it and just let it go. There is so much more a sense of peace in myself. But that has also come with working the steps of recovery and having a place to work through all of the memories and the feelings and the resentments and the fears and the anger and the sadness to have a path to walk through to get from one side to the other. And the good news is that 12 step is similar to many different studies of spirituality that give us a path to finding ourselves. And 12 step is uh, was written in the 30s and discovered in the 30s and by a group around alcoholism. And back in those days, uh, prohibition was happening. Life was really hard um, in those times. And, and there was some real awareness of what alcohol was doing to people, but there really wasn't a way for it to be dealt with other than sending people to a sanitarium. And they would clean up a little bit and um, get their minds kind of right and swear that they would never drink again. And then before they knew it, the obsession was back and there was just no way for them to be able to handle it. It is clear that once we have an addiction to something, that it's not about how much self-will you can have. It's not about self-control or about feeling like you can... Um, fix it from your mind that if you want it bad enough to stop that you can stop it and what was so amazing about the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous was that they found that with each other and by doing a spiritual awakening that they were able to control this obsession and the cravings and find tools 
to work through the hardships that they had had and the regret and the, the fear and the shame that had come from all the years of using. I think my gratitude for myself is that I didn't have to go down a path that was so, 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 so far. And I've said before that I, I believe strongly that if I hadn't been attending a, a spiritual center and been working on my spirituality for my whole life, that there's a very probable chance that my journey could have been different and a lot harder for me. But somehow I was saved from real darkness and it was just a low-lying shutdown that made it so that I was drinking more than than I should and was using alcohol to to not feel my feelings and I had absolutely no control if I think about myself you know drinking was my addiction but there's so many addictions. And if those addictions are causing us to feel like our life is unmanageable, then it's something we need to look at. There's shopping, there's TV, there's video gaming, there's porn, there's drugs and alcohol, there's um, food. There's so many ways for us to not feel what we're feeling and to crave some moment where we will be relieved of the discomfort. And I know for me, when I knew that drinking was hurting me and was hurting my life, and I would tell myself that I wasn't going to go use drink that day, I'd show up at the liquor store. As I'm driving to the liquor store, I'm telling myself, I am not going to go to the liquor store today. And there I am at the liquor store while I'm buying wine saying, I'm not going to drink this wine when I get home. Of course, I'm going to drink that wine when I get home. So that crazy obsession that happens that really like takes over can take over in so many different places of our life. And then if you don't have a, an addict of yourself, if you can truly say that you don't have something like that, most of us also have this piece or a lot of us have a piece where we had people in our lives who were addicts or narcissists or unattentive or neglecting of us and our feelings. And so we came up with ways to manage our feelings and to control the world around us so that we didn't feel the way that we felt or that we could make things right or that we were supposed to be the good girl or solve the problems. And that's where the other 12-step program that I'm in that was created for families of alcoholics takes its place. That we believe that we can make somebody else be somebody else. When it comes to addiction, we for somebody else, we didn't cause it, we can't cure it, and we can't make it stop. 
we didn't create it and and so whatever words we're using to try to beg somebody else to be different only make us crazy so through working the 12 steps as an addict or working the 12 steps as somebody who has addiction around us gives us a path to walk through our feelings and our life and our situation and find some real peace. And the 12 steps really give a way to take responsibility for what is ours, to learn to trust a higher power that is entirely yours, to discern what that is, and find a way to find peace and recovery in your life, whether you're the addict or you have addiction around you, or like me, it's all enmeshed and wrapped up into one. So the 12 steps of recovery are, and I will, I will say them, and then in another podcast, I'm going to kind of piece them together. We admitted we were powerless and that our lives had become unmanageable. So in, in alcoholism, we say we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. But I really like to just say we admitted we were powerless over anything and anyone and that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity This is a step of hope. This is the step that tells me that life can be different, that I don't have to continue on this path of destruction and unhappiness, that anything is possible for me, that I can really believe and trust that something will restore me to sanity. Step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. This is the step of faith. It's a connection with something greater than myself. It's a starting point where we can practice the trust and the confidence and believing that we will be cared for, that we are worth it, that we are worth it and we have the ability to trust that we're perfect just the way that we are, that we are enough. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. This is courage. This is where we take the leap of writing down the resentments and the hurts and the life situations that have happened to us and really taking a look at them in a new and different way that first allows us to go ahead and acknowledge the pain that we had in our lives or the anger that we feel of the people in our lives and then work through a process where you can analyze how those affected you and there are specific um, ways that the fourth step works to to recognize oh this was this continues to affect my my self-esteem this continues to affect my personal relations this was affecting my, my money. And as you look at those, you start to see patterns. 
And then the final way of looking at that is to look at your part. How do I respond to these hurts, these resentments, these difficult situations in my life that, that I'm struggling with? And as we see those patterns in ourselves, we can start to recognize how we have started to work with the people in our lives in ways that aren't helpful to ourselves or to them, to recognize our shortcomings. And most of us don't want to recognize our shortcomings. So after you've done your fourth step, then step five is admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We sit down with somebody, generally a sponsor or someone that we really trust, and we share that whole step four with them. It can take hours. It can take a whole day. And to have somebody sit down and witness your pain, your anger, and then the parts of yourself that you're willing to see your side is incredibly profound. And for most of us, we have secrets that we would never have hoped that we would share with somebody. But to let those secrets out and to share with somebody that we trust and share with our God of our own understanding that aspect of ourselves that feels raw and vulnerable and to be witnessed and loved and accepted anyway is incredibly profound and powerful. And then step six, we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So many of us are so afraid to admit that there's anything that we could do differently or that we've done to harm people and to just go ahead and lay them all out on the table. This is a, about willingness. A willingness to, to not be perfect, to admit that we're not perfect. And then step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. What if we have the gift of being able to let those things go? To redefine ourselves in the new and special ways. To really open fully to the wholeness and greatness and goodness that we are, regardless of how we have, what we have done. Eight is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. To admit that we have hurt people, that even in our best efforts, we may have come up short, is a very humbling experience. But it's an opportunity to clean the slate. Nine is make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Sometimes it takes a lifetime of opportunities to come to the people that are on your amends list. But to allow them to hear you and have an awareness of how you may have affected their life 
and to say you're sorry from your side only, without any expectation of their wrongs on their side, is a very profound way to clean the slate. It's very hard to continue to hold on to all of the negative feelings when you've really had the opportunity to share your truth and to give them an opportunity to share their truth, to really let go. And then 10, continue to make to take personal inventory and when we're wrong, promptly admitted it. This is a daily occurrence for me to look back on my day and say, where could I have done or been better? And to make amends immediately and be aware of how I could have dealt with this situation and to clean that slate on a daily basis. 11 is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the the power to carry that out. Everyday prayer and meditation. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. So once you have gone through the process to be able to have the space where being of service to somebody else takes precedent over yourself is a change for a lot of us. And because I have both addiction and direct addiction and also dealing with um, the, the wreckage of having addicts in my life and and just the life that I had, these steps give me a way every single day to name my feelings, to catch myself and say, oh, wow, you're in a space of feeling out of control. I'm, that's step one. And it gives me a way to stop and recognize where my feelings are and a way to process them through. You don't finish the 12 steps and then think, well, I get to graduate. I never have to work on that again. That's not how it works. Once you do the 12 steps, which some people take, you know, a short period of time, some people take years, some people will work on a step for months, some people will work on it in a couple days. There's no right or wrong way. This is your journey. But to have worked through and actually gotten to that place where you can then pick it up every single day and utilize those tools to help you find peace and recovery, for me, has been a gift that I am excited to be giving. So next podcast will be on step one. And we'll... um, We'll work up, let's work the steps. Let's do this. It is a journey of awareness that can provide us peace and help clear the slate and let go of the resentments and the hurt that continue to only harm ourselves. And though I'm so grateful to be relieved of the um, obsession and the control that alcohol had on my life, 
I am even more happy to be relieved of the obsession that I had on controlling the world around me. And just being present for whatever it is and the mindfulness meditations that allow me to take these tools that I've worked through and really be in a peaceful and surrendered state. So I look forward to next time we'll start on step one. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, I'd love for you to go to my website, recoveryoursoul.net. There are blogs that I've written, and I um, now have some guest bloggers that are going to start joining with their experience, strength, and hope. The podcast can be found there, as well as our Instagram account. And if you subscribe, then you'll be updated on anything that's upcoming and new. We're in this together. And this is really a journey of recovery that is about all of us providing each other with experience, strength, and hope. And I look forward to next time. Namaste. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.